We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman of the Sacramento Bee, and we have a 49ers-Dolphins game to look forward to. Uh, should be a super fun one. Can't wait to talk about it. But first, we're brought to you by Cooperage Brewing. As always, visit the brewery in Santa Rosa. We always talk about the vibes. We always talk about the food trucks and, of course, the awesome beer. You're going to love it. And after you drink that awesome beer, you're going to be like, hey, how can I order some of this at home? <laughs> we have a solution for that. Cooperagebrewing.com. In the state of California, you got to be over 21, of course. You can order beer online. They'll send it directly to your front door. There's not a better way to acquire beer than doing it from your couch. I got to tell you, it's the best. All right, let's talk Dolphins Niners. Blue wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. So I thought this game might be a tricky one for the 49ers. And then Kyle Shanahan said that Tua Tagovailoa, um, excuse me, Tua Tagovailoa is just Matt Schaub. So Niners dub on Sunday confirmed. <laughs> it was a funny thing to say because like Kyle Shanahan kind of underrated. I mean, so, nice career. I mean, when Kyle Shanahan talks about Tua in relation to Matt Schaub, it's a compliment because right. Kyle Shanahan in 2008 was the offensive coordinator when Matt Schaub led the NFL in passing. I repeat, Matt Schaub led the NFL in passing. So I know a lot of people, um, like the the easy thing to do with Matt Schaub is talk about like later in his career when he was bad, and he absolutely was, but talking about for Kyle Shanahan talking about Tua Tungvaluwa in that context is a positive. Um yes. and so uh yeah that 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 was a little bit funny that that Kyle I mean Kyle Shanahan he just thinks about football in a much different way than the rest of us do particularly like through his experiences in the league and you know he he feels like he has overwhelmingly positive experiences with guys like Kirk Cousins, which is why he's so fond of Kirk Cousins. It's not 
it's not just like film and like this weird bizarro take he has that Kirk Cousins is some like elite quarterback. It's that opinion is colored from working with him directly and being in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, Kyle, like we, we've talked plenty about the way Kyle Shannon evaluates quarterbacks, but I can say that his opinion on quarterbacks comes from a much different place than the rest of us. Um, so sure. I, I do, while I disagree with a lot of Kyle Shanahan's quarterback takes overall, it does come from a much more educated place than myself. I am willing to admit. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's big of you. Yeah. But just to, just to, just to real quick, I don't, I don't want to harp on the, the match. It's just, it's, it wasn't, I know it wasn't meant to insult to a, but it's just funny. Usually when you compare a guy, you hear Aaron Rodgers. he's like Patrick Mahomes. He's like Drew Brees. And he's like, yeah, it reminds me of Matt Schaub. It's like, what? But <laughs> but Matt Schaub, between 2008 and 2012, check this out, started 69 games. Nice. He went 40 and 29 as a starter, completed 65% of his passes, 105 touchdowns against 55 picks, and in 17 games averaged 4,600 yards of 26 tutties and 14 picks. Like He wasn't bad. And averaged eight yards in attempt. No, there was that stretch. I want to say it was in 2013. And that stretch included a, a primetime game against the 49ers where he threw a pick six. Like, yeah, and like four, four weeks. Yeah, like four weeks in a row. Yeah. And then one, I think it was, I think it was a Sunday night. Maybe it was a Monday night game. I'm, I don't remember. It was that candlestick and Tremaine Brock yes. took one back. Yes. Um, but yeah, that was, that, that was an interesting time but that's what we do like with quarterbacks i think we just kind of latch on to like their worst moments and the reasons why Mm -hmm. they're no longer quarterbacks and then we're like oh yeah i remember that four game stretch where he was bad and that's like the thing i remember the most not the fact that like you know he actually was a pretty good quarterback statistically and did help houston win a lot of games he was a two-time pro bowler and in the league for 17 years. <laughs> he had a really nice career. Anyways, uh, the Matt Schaub pod, uh, tune in. Uh, let's let's talk Niners Dolphins, which is a just a fascinating matchup. I think I don't want to belabor all the oh Mike McDaniel versus Kyle Shanahan and Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson Jr. are coming back to Levi Stadium. And Trent Sherfield and River Craycraft are coming back to Levi Stadium. I don't want to. I don't want to harp on all that. Yeah, people will not because... stop talking about River Craycraft's return. It's really wild. No, it's it's. I mean, it's a headliner for sure. But the the Niners and Dolphins. It's not only fascinating because of all those like interpersonal things going on, right? But they're also just two really good teams that I think I would put the Niners and Dolphins in the same tier. As far as they're definite Super Bowl contenders, but they're not in that Chiefs Eagles realm for me. Where it's like, okay, those are the two favorites. Those are the Niners and Dolphins both have their warts, and their warts are just kind of opposite. Where yeah. go ahead. No, I, I I particularly offensively, like they're they feel very similar, right? Like I don't yeah. think anybody, I mean, maybe, you know, Tua's stats this year are are elite, I guess, by definition. But I think, you know, it's still generally a pretty small sample size. But I do feel like generally Tua and Jimmy Garoppolo are in the same tier of quarterbacks. Like, okay, you can win with them, but the circumstances need to be ideal, right? Like you need elite weaponry around them. You need a good scheme that maximizes their skill sets. 
and puts them in position to succeed. And I think Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniel, they both do that at a high level. And then you add in the skill guys. I mean, Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle might be the best one-two punch at receiver in the NFL this year, right? And then you look at the 49- Yeah, and then you look at the 49ers and you can make a strong case that Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk are probably one of the better receiving duos in the league on top of having George Kittle on top of, you know, Christian McCaffrey, potentially he came back to practice on Thursday as we record this Thursday afternoon from his knee injury. Um, just those things are similar where I think there are big differences is defensively, right? Like you have mm-hmm. the 49ers who are in a run now of three straight second half shutouts. Um, they are, I think, unquestionably the top. I mean, the Niners lead the NFL defensively in points and yards against. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I'm sure there are other measures that that would maybe give the Cowboys a nod in terms of best defense in the league. But the Niners are certainly in like the top two or three discussion, I think, unequivocally. The Dolphins defense is much more middling, right? Like the Dolphins mm-hmm. rank 19th in scoring opponent scoring. 17th in opponents yardage um they're 24th in opponents third downs they're 29th in opponents red zone scoring so there are like the the dolphins are a team that wins with offense um Mm. so i I think the 49ers potentially on paper should be the better team um particularly they're playing at home it's it's looking like it's going to rain on sunday so I think given how reliant are, the Dolphins are on their speed, that the rain could be an equalizer for the 49ers in that respect. But mm-hmm. again, like the rain, we don't know what the rain's really, how, how it's really going to impact the game, right? Like that's, it's the, the rain, it, it's just impossible. Like you remember the rain game against the Colts last year, like the monsoon <laughs> game. We're like, Boy, man, the Niners should really just kind of stop the Colts at home. Carson and and just like Jimmy Garoppolo throws a couple bad picks like you know it it the rain is likely to portend to a more low scoring game which limits the mistakes you can make so I, I think you actually have to play better in the rain because particularly like defensively because it's just you you can't make mistakes like there, it's not going to be an opportunity where you're going to like, oh, it's fine. We'll just score three more touchdowns at some point. Like, no, it's it's probably going to be a game that like both teams score in the teens if it is raining, in my opinion. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I do think it's just going to be a fascinating game from that perspective. And maybe the rain helps the 49ers or maybe the rain helps the Dolphins because they do have so much speed that, you know, they could use the, the slippery surface sort of against the 49ers defense. Um, but it'll be fascinating. But I, I do think in terms of comparing these teams, there are a ton of similarities offensively, not so many defensively. Um, mm-hmm. But I think ultimately, like this is a litmus test similar to what the Chiefs game was a few weeks ago in terms of like, are the 49ers, you know, where do they stack up? How good are they right now? Um, and I think this is this is probably a test akin to that chiefs game, because look like the Niners are on a four game winning streak. They beat Mm -hmm. the Rams who are bad. They beat the chargers who are no longer in the AFC playoff picture right now. Um, Mm -hmm. The chargers are ninth out of 17. It's only a game out. So it's not like they're completely out of it, but 
And then they beat the Cardinals and the Saints, who are two of the worst teams in the NFC. The Dolphins, conversely, kind of in a similar boat. Like the Dolphins are in a five-game winning streak, and they've just beaten up on really bad teams. They beat Pittsburgh, they beat Detroit, they beat Chicago, they beat Cleveland, and they beat Houston. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the 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 Dolphins do have wins against the Ravens. That that week two win against the Ravens were two or through, I think it was five touchdowns in the second half. Pretty remarkable. Yeah. Um, the Buffalo win, obviously a big one. So the Niners don't really have sort of that signature hang your hat on it win this season. And we thought that might have been the Rams, but obviously the Rams are bad. Um, just the strength of victory now for the 49ers is like, obviously, look, winning games is the most important thing. Seven and four, first place in the NFC West. That's obviously the most important thing. But the Niners have an opportunity now to have kind of a signature win of the season. Um, that's not the Rams. And I I think as time goes on and the Rams just keep playing more poorly and more poorly and are banged up, it's just that those two wins against the Rams are kind of losing their value. I feel like in terms of the way we view the 49ers. So beating, beating a quality team like the dolphins on Sunday, I think would go a long way towards solidifying maybe the opinions that we have. of them. Okay. So there's a bunch of stuff there. I want to touch on the first thing. We'll start with the signature win. (laughs) Sorry, sorry for ranting. <laughs> no, that's okay. I was taking notes. You touch it. You you hit a bunch of stuff that, that I wanted to get to, so it's perfect. The signature win element. I think you're a hundred percent correct, but at the same time, in a that's more of a of a macro view. In the micro view of of week thirteen, the 49ers win or lose are not going to be out of the three seed in the NFC playoff picture. They're not going to be out of the top of the NFC West because they have that tiebreaker over the Seahawks. And the first tiebreaker, let's say they 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 do wind up in a tie with the Minnesota Vikings for that number two spot. I'm putting the Eagles out of the conversation. I don't think the Eagles are gonna gonna. I think the Eagles are gonna get the bye. They're gonna be the one seed. But if the Niners do wind up battling the Vikings for that number two seed, and they wind up tied, the first tiebreaker is conference record. And for the for the Vikings to get down to where the Niners are. They're going to have to lose a couple of conference games. So the Niners would have that tiebreaker since they don't have the head-to-head. So if the Niners were going to lose a game the rest of the way on their schedule, like this is the one you can afford to lose from a macro sense, but or if in a in a in a micro sense, but it but but the bigger picture and what you're talking about with the signature win, I think that's right. I think to really con- consider this team, the the 49ers a a real like hey, they are a Super Bowl contender. They're going to beat and hang with any team. They have to, maybe they don't win, but they have to keep it close. It can't turn into the Chiefs game. It can't turn into a a monster offensive day for the Dolphins while the Niners offense just kind of peers out at the end and they lose, you know, 35-17 or something. Right. That just can't, because then, then it's like, oh, look what happens when they play a good offense. They get they get railroaded. So that said, I want to go back to the Chiefs game because I'm wondering if that Chiefs game taught the 49ers a lot about how to go about defending the Dolphins because the offenses are very different. Obviously, the the Chiefs don't have the explosive athletes that the Dolphins do with with Tyree Kill and with with Jalen Waddle and Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson Jr. Even, but the way they use their speed to attack the edges and throw underneath 
and get the 49ers defense on its heels and then attack them over the top once the Niners defense started getting downhill too quickly. I think that Niners are going to learn a lot from that. And I'm really interested to see just how much they were able to take away from that loss to the Chiefs and what the Dolphins are going to try to do that the Chiefs did and how the Niners counter that. Because the, the the Dolphins can effectively run a better version of the Chiefs game plan because they have better athletes. And they can use that speed on the edge and they can they can throw underneath because that's what really Kyle Shanahan mentioned it. That's how they've created their explosives is throwing underneath and letting their guys, their fast guys, do the yak thing. So I think it's going to be a huge game for guys like Fred Warner and guys like Dre Greenlaw and guys like Talanoa Hufanga who are hanging out in the box, who are responsible for carrying those crossing routes for covering um, just kind of in the box in the shorter areas of the field and then rallying and tackling and making sure they're not getting those explosive plays, especially on short throws. So that leads to my one other thing that I want to get to. (laughs) Um, The Dolphins are starting a player named Brandon Shell at left tackle. And Brandon Shell this year has played 58, this is from PFF, has played 58 pass blocking snaps at left tackle. He's allowed 12 pressures, eight hurries, and four quarterback hits. And his pass blocking grade at left tackle is 15.3. Is that red? That's dark red. Dark. That's deep red. I'm almost brown. <laughs> it is It is very, very red. It's, it's really bad. So that's the other thing, is if the Niners can take away some of that underneath stuff, and force the Dolphins' offensive line to pass block, the the Niners' defense could could find some success against against Tua. Tua is one of the, in terms of like getting the ball out, he's one of the quickest in the league. Yes, and a lot of that's by by play design. So that that'll be curious, like schematic. I'll be curious to see schematically, like can the 49ers do things? Because this is how you know, like you hear NFL coaches talk about tying pass rush and coverage on a string like what that is is basically it that's a schematic thing it's like okay you try to figure out where a quarterback's first couple reads are going to be and then if you take those things away initially then you force the quarterback to hold on to the ball a little bit longer and that gives the pass rush more time that is what pat that is what having your your coverage and pass rush on a string actually means right so that that is what's really important for this matchup. If the 49ers can force Tua, Tua to hold on to the ball and maybe go through his reads in a similar way that like we've seen Jimmy Garoppolo struggle to do, and he's been a little bit better, but he's been a little bit better recently. But in general, like if you force Jimmy Garoppolo to hold on to the ball and try to get to, you know, third and fourth reads and and make secondary reactions then that's when jimmy garoppolo gets him gets him to trouble that's what the 49ers defense has to do to Tua. it's like mm-hmm. try to force him to double pump um give nick bow some more time because he's going to get chipped he's you know i, I think mike mcdaniel is probably going to have a more unique game plan against nick bosa than anybody the 49ers face in yep. part just because he's really smart but also because he's been in the 49ers building and know exactly what what has worked and and you know what hasn't in terms of in trying to slow down Bosa and you're probably not going to do it like for a hundred percent of the snaps but um that that to me 
like forcing Tua to hold on to the ball longer than he's expect longer than he's trying to is going to be probably the most important thing for the 49ers defense overall. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's right. But on the, on the same token, when he does hold on to the ball and they get those, it's, it's, it's hard with the Dolphins offense because so Tua has thrown 36 deep shots, 20 plus yards down the field. He's thrown 36 of them. He's completed 23 of those, which is bananas. Our buddy Nick Wagner, our favorite cast member who gets a, a mention in every podcast, we're gonna have to start paying him at this point, said that that it was explained to him one time that 20 plus yard throws are like three point percentage. Elite is 40%. But you want to be in that kind of 30 63.9% is but is sick. That's crazy. But they're able to develop those throws and develop those plays just at a quicker rate. So like Tua holding on to the ball to get a deep throw in, he doesn't have to hold on to the ball as long as everybody else because his receivers are so goddamn fast. So that's why this challenge is super unique for the 49ers because they're going to run the stuff that everybody else in the league runs, only they do it at five or seven or 10 yards of additional depth because the receivers can get there in the same amount of time that it takes Tua to do a three-step drop, if that makes sense. So I, it's a really unique challenge. I think it's going to be a, a, a we can get into the six pack here, but I think it's going to be a, a really big day and a, and a, and a key spot for those Niners second level defenders. Yeah. And being able to get down and tackle also getting that depth that they're going to need. Yeah. Be- before we get to the six pack, I want to mention too. Yes. This is, um, this game is probably more like a qualitative game, like in terms of like how we evaluate the 49ers going back to like how we started this conversation, mm-hmm. like a win or loss isn't going to dramatically change their chances of getting to the playoffs. I- I'm on 538's predictor tool right now, which you can uh, look up, you know, probabilities and playoff chances and stuff like that sure. based on wins and losses. Right now, the 49ers have a 96% chance to make the playoffs, according to mm-hmm. 538. 87% chance to win the division right now. With the loss, it goes from 87% to 77% in terms of winning the division. Jeez. With, with the win, it goes to 92%. Jeez. Right. So we're not talking about like in terms of their remaining games, given that this is an AFC East opponent, like this is not a game that's gonna that, that's gonna absolutely destroy them in the standings if they lose or really catapult them if they win. To your point, getting a game on Seattle now and having the tiebreaker against them is really the most important thing. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like standings, the next three games after this one are going to be far more important when you're talking about at Tampa Bay, mm-hmm. currently the four seed um, at Seattle. That at that's a that's a home game. OK, um, at Seattle on a short week, they're currently the eight seed. Um, and then home to Washington, which is shaping up to be kind of a fascinating game. Washington's currently in the seventh seed. So um, this game isn't going to be super important in terms of the standings, but it's going to be important, I think, in terms of how the 49ers sort of have confidence or not going into the final stretch and and potentially the playoffs. Because this is, I mean, this is probably the best defense they're going to play the rest of the way. Because after Tampa Bay, Seattle, and Washington, it's the Raiders and the Cardinals again. So th- this is 
Say it again. You mean the best offense? Yeah, best offense. Okay, you said defense. Oh, did I? I, I meant yeah, offense. Yeah, I was confused. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, best offense. Who's the best defense? I'll have to look at that. Anyway. Probably Tampa. Eh, Washington. Washington's got a good defense. Yeah, not the Raiders. Um, anyway, so that was the last point I wanted to make before we get into the six-pack. No, I'm with you. If if they if they lose to the Dolphins 20 to 17, I'll still feel really good about the Niners. Right. If they lose 44 to 20, <laughs> I'm going to have some concerns. <laughs> yeah, they the they've winner, used up their they've used up their getting their ass kicked equity, I think. Yes. Yes. Kansas City and Atlanta it was like, all right, you you've had your games where you got your ass kicked. You're you're no longer allowed a margin of error. Now that yep. you're like you've got Christian McCaffrey, you have the arguably or statistically the best defense in the league. Like you're you're no longer allowed to lose games like that. So Yep. Yep. Elite teams don't do that no. three times in a year, I don't think. Right. Maybe there's some number that refutes that, but all right, let's do a six pack. We didn't do one last. We did one last week online. That yeah, we did of, on Twitter. That was kind of fun. We never went back on Twitter, but it's fine. Yeah, I feel we were like, like traveling and busy and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, holiday weekend. As, yeah. yeah, I'm Anyways. just I'm blaming you. Just letting you know. Okay, that's fine. We can say you won this one. <laughs> yeah, we didn't Good even work. go over it actually. Good work. I don't remember who I picked? Um, all right. You, I think I picked first on on the Twitter thread last week. Yeah. So you can go first this week. I'm picking Talanoa Hufanga oh, wow. because if he is going to be the star player that we we think he's kind of developing into, this is the kind of game where he can make a mark. Whether it's intercepting an intermediate throw, whether it's making a big hit and causing a fumble like he did last week against the Saints, I think that he is a super aggressive player. And if Mike McDaniel is looking at the Niners defense and there's players that he's going to try and circle and say, hey, we're going to put that guy in conflict and we're going to make him make a bad decision. I think Talano Hufanga is a player that he is going to circle to try and make make bad choices. So if Talano Hufanga has a good game, I think the 49ers defense overall has a good game. So I'm picking Talano Hufanga. I like it. Um, I'm going to go. I'm going to stick with defense. This is not really chalk, but kind of chalk. Um, and it gives us an opportunity to talk about this guy because we haven't mentioned him yet. Eric Armstead's probably going to come back. Yes. And it's the first time since week what three four four first time in a long yeah first time in a long time for eric armstead he missed week three played week four got hurt again got it okay um there have been reports about like a hairline fracture in his ankle and plantar fasciitis and just all sorts of stuff that you don't love to hear about a six eight defensive lineman Mm -hmm. um but I, i think armstead's absence has has been pretty substantial um, because the pass rushing along the interior just hasn't really been the same, right? Like the yep. 49ers pass rush has been generally okay, pretty good, but it hasn't been good from their defensive tackles. I think Nick Bosa could really use a little bit more help there. Um, and Armstead is that guy. When when you remember last year, we talked about it a lot, like Armstead sort of ascended to a different, a different stratosphere as a player, how we viewed him down the stretch of last season and in the playoffs 
where it seemed like he had a big third down sack in the second half of all of those wins that they had. Um, so Armstead coming back, if he's healthy, could provide an already elite defense, a pretty substantial boost. And if their if their uh, pass rush is can, can take that next step and do what we were talking about earlier in terms of force to it, uh, or if the secondary can force Tua to hold on to the ball, allow Armstead more time to potentially bother Tua, that could that could be a really positive development for the 49ers defense. Um, and just getting him back is really important. He's, he's really good against the run. He's really good against the pass. And at this point, um, I, I think if the 49ers are going to go on a run, they're going to need all of their guns along that defensive front. Uh, who knows about mm-hmm. Javon Kinlaw? But Armstead has to help solidify the interior. And then it gives them just more depth because you're talking about, you know, Kevin Givens and Hassan Ridgeway playing fewer snaps. Um, and ultimately, you might get more production out of them because they are playing fewer snaps because those are guys probably better off being in rotational roles rather than like every down starters. Yeah. I, I think that those are all very good points. I think Armstead's absence is something that um, I don't want to say he's gotten overlooked, but I think it, it could wind up being a pretty significant deal. So I really like that pick there. At the number two spot, just a quick update. Armstead limited in practice Wednesday and Thursday. He told reporters on Thursday that he expects to play Sunday. Christian McCaffrey said he feels good. He expects to play Sunday. Also, Spencer Burford has an ankle issue. Charles Amendon, who has a knee issue. They were both out of practice Wednesday and practiced Thursday. So that's a good trend for them. Debo Samuel missed practice on Thursday. So I'm not going to pick him. After practicing Wednesday. Should we mention that the 49ers have had another setback to a guy practicing on an injury? Truly fascinating. Jesus, man. Kyle Shanahan's oh, got to be sick of this. I he, he must be at this point. Uh, third pick. I want to pick a running back. And I wanted to not go chalk. So I'm going to skip the chalk pick here. And I... <laughs> what? Are you sure whoever you're going to pick is going to play? No, you know what? You're right. You're right. You're right. I'm going to pick Christian McCaffrey. Okay. But let me talk about the other running backs while we're here. So I'm going to pick Christian McCaffrey with Elijah Mitchell out. I think you're going to lean more on Christian McCaffrey. He says his knee is okay with that irritation or whatever it is. So I think they're going to need a big game from him. If they're going to, I think the Dolphins are going to score some points. And if the Niners are going to keep up, I think it's going to require Christian McCaffrey to be pretty good. So I'm going to pick him, but I'm really interested to see what the Niners do in that Elijah Mitchell spot, because I don't think the answer is more Christian McCaffrey carries. I think that's a bad answer if that's their answer. So, whether it's Jordan Mason or Ty Davis Price or Tevin Coleman, I guess it'd be pretty uninspiring if it was Tevin Coleman. But I I think that there's going to be work for one of the two rookies, and maybe it's both. Maybe they see who's hot and they they ride that hot hand. But supposedly Ty Davis Price has been down because Jordan Mason is better on special teams, not necessarily the better back. So maybe this is the the real, first real opportunity for Davis Price since week two, and I'd be fascinated to see if he's gotten substantially better from that point. So I'm picking Christian McCaffrey, though. Two touchdown, Tev. Remember Carolina game? Boy, do I. One really he's still got it. Wouldn't be surprising if two touchdown, Tev. He's definitely playing, back. bro. He's definitely, I'm telling you. Yeah. I, I'm kind of with you. The The thing that you're leery about is like, all right, McCaffrey's got a knee issue and the weather 
you're yes. probably going to have to run the ball a lot. Just yes. a little, a little worrisome, but yeah. yeah. Um, okay. I'm going to go with, uh, I mean, I'm trying to win. This is, I'm a competitor. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm going, not? I'm going with Nick Bosa. Um, okay. Because of potentially game changing plays like his sack that he may or may not have been offsides on and fourth down against the saints um I don't think again was... every time i pick nick bosa i just feel like there isn't a whole lot of analysis to add here he's really good at football he's their most important slash impactful defensive player in my opinion and they have to slow down the dolphins offense which is really really good Bosa's my pick all right good i like uh i like the hipster choice going with nick bosa <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to pick George Kittle with my third pick and the Dolphins defense is not awesome. It's not terrible, but it's not like great. And they don't have, I mean, Javon Holland, their, their safety is a, is a really good player from, from Oregon. I think he's in his second year, but they don't have any linebackers that can really cover. And if there's one thing Kyle Shanahan can do, it is put linebackers in conflict and put linebackers in bad spots. So I think that that's like the ninth time I've said in conflict. I, need to I know. I was going to say, you're such a, you're such yeah. a big football guy. No. Well, you saw, I got a monitor now. Right. Well, my wife got a monitor and that I use. And so I've just been in a lab, bro. Right. We get and it. I'm like, wow, we all these it. dudes are in conflict. Yeah. You're married. We get it. That's cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I just, Kyle Shanahan is, is really good at, at putting linebackers in spin cycles and making them make decisions and none of their linebackers can really cover so i think george kittle might have a big game i like george. it george kittle putting them in conflict all right um so i went two relatively chalk picks both along the defensive line i'm gonna go with somebody who's not on offense but is going to be responsible for scoring some points this may or may not be a story of the game pick because you know how much I love the story of the game picks. Will this Boy, guy, will this guy's performance impact the story of the game? It's going to be some weather on Sunday, Kyle. It's, it might be. It might be a low-scoring game. You know what that means? You need a Don't good performance it. from your Don't kicker, do it. from your kicker, Robbie Gold, rounding it out. Last pick. If he misses a kick, it's going to be hard for the 49ers to win whether that's a field goal or an extra point or whatever. Is it a situation where the Niners are driving the games tied or they're down by one or two and they need Robbie Gold to kick a 50-yarder in the rain? Maybe. Maybe. So I'm picking Robbie Gold here, and this is mostly about the weather and the fact that it's probably going to be a close game that's going to require them to be perfect in the kicking game, and that is my pick. Tight. Rob Gold. I thought you were going to say Mitch Wisnowski for the field position game, but Rob Gold, very good. I've been meaning to do the dive. I'm going to do this dive at some point next week. Unlike where Mitch is in terms of like punts down inside the the ten and all that stuff, because I feel like he's up there. I feel like he's up there. You're going to do a punter deep dive. Yeah, I feel like we owe it to our listeners. I love that for you, man. I feel like we owe it to our listeners. Yep. Mitch Wisnowski, okay. 21 inside the 20, 54% of his punts 
have been down inside the opponent's 20. Man. I feel like that's not bad. What a punter. I feel like that is not bad. Earning that money. Good for Mitch. He shout sure is. To, shout out to my fellow Santa Barbara City City College Vaqueros. Do you guys do you guys like talk about that? Mitch and I? Yeah. You, do you guys like hang out and like, you know, drink? We some don't hang out. And... We have we have talked about Santa Barbara City College, SBCC for those unfamiliar. Um... I know, totally, totally. <laughs> Um, Mitch Wisnowski is ninth in punts inside the 20. However, okay. he is fifth in net. Hold on. So is that overall punts inside the 20 or is it yes. punts inside the 20 rate? Like I need the ratio. Oh, I don't have the rate here because, you know, if there's a punter who's getting a whole lot more ops opportunities, ops. Mm-hmm. then that might be a little bit unfair to judge Mitch in, in that criteria. No, no doubt. No doubt. Um, <laughs> mit, let's see. Where's return percentage? Uh, Mitch wish. Oh, wait, hang on. We can, backwards. we can tease this into next leads, leads the league with the lowest returned punt rate. That's what I'm saying. That means he's just Booming them to the sidelines, earning that, earning They're that money. super high, and the Niners Gunners are just on point, earning that money. Uh, Dolphins thirty first in special teams DVOA, by the way. Oh, okay, keep an eye on that. All right, good little nugget to throw in there. All right, I got a jet. Yeah, you gotta go like ten minutes ago. Yeah, let's. let's My bad, dog. No, no, All right, no. subscribe, rate, review. Cooperbrewing.com. Uh, Go visit the brewery in Santa Rosa. Shout out to Cooper's Brewery. Shout out to Tyler, our producer. He's the best. Goodbye, everybody.